Well, what can you learn about Jesus from a weird story in the Old Testament about a guy who borrowed a power tool from his friend, but then he lost it in the river? Answer, a lot. You can learn a lot about Jesus from all of those weird stories in the Old Testament that make you scratch your head. And you can learn enough about Jesus today to calm your anxious heart. A number of years ago when we lived in the great state of Texas, I don't even know why I say great state. It's just assumed, isn't it? (laughs) A number of years ago when we lived in Texas, a friend emailed me this question about a passage that we're looking at today, this passage about a man losing a power tool in a river. He said this, What, in your opinion, is the significance of the recovered axe head in 2 Kings 6, 1 through 7? I was reading it the other day, and I'm just like, there's got to be a reason that's in the holy word of God. I just can't figure out why. Shed some light, my brother. Well, I hope to shed some light today, my brothers and sisters, because we are looking at that very passage Why is there a weird story in the Bible about a guy who loses his friend's tool? Why did God include this in his word? And what can we learn about Jesus from this kerplunk, there goes the axe head story? God included this story in his word because he wanted us to know this. Jesus really cares about every little detail of your life. Jesus really cares about every little detail of your life. Every person in this room right now, every person in this room right now has the attention of Jesus. He is aware of everything that's going on in your life, everything that's going on in that little heart of yours, And he cares. He actually cares about you. So much so that he made sure this weird axe head story got included in his word so that you could hear it and be reminded once again that Jesus really cares about every little detail of your life. Okay, turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 6. While you're turning there, let me set the context. Some of the prophets were all living in this small one-bedroom apartment. They wanted to build a bigger place for them to live in because it was getting crowded. And so they go down to the Jordan River to cut down some trees so they can start building their new pad. But as they're chopping down trees, they hear a kerplunk and a borrowed tool sinks to the bottom of a raging river. And they don't have any scuba diving equipment. But they have the prophet Elisha, and that makes all the difference in the world. So 2 Kings chapter 6, look at verse 1 and hear the word of the Lord. Now the sons of the prophet said to Elisha, See, the place where we dwell under your charge is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan, and each of us get there a log, and let us make a place for us to dwell there. And Elisha answered, Go. Then one of them said, Be pleased to go with your servants. And Elisha answered, 
I will go. So Elisha went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was felling a log, his axe head fell into the water, and he cried out, Alas, my master, it was borrowed. And then the man of God said, Where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, he cut off a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. And Elisha said, Take it up. So he reached out his hand and took it. So let's recap what's happening here. I love these kind of weird stories in the Old Testament. That's why I was an Old Testament major. There was a group of men living together, the sons of the prophets, studying under Elisha perhaps, kind of like you know a, a Jedi master and his, his Padawans. And they soon realized that this apartment that we're living in is just too small for all of us. So they decided to go down to the Jordan River, cut down some trees, and they're going to make another house, a bigger house for all of them to live in. And as they're about to leave, they ask the prophet Elisha if he wants to go. And Elisha says, sure, why not? And he decides to go. An important part of the story, by the way. So they get down to the river, and they're cutting down trees, and one guy swings his uh, real hard, and his axe head flies off the axe handle... And it lands in the river, kerplunk, and it sinks just like his heart. Why did his heart sink in this moment? Because it wasn't his axe. He borrowed this axe from one of his buddies. And now the borrowed axe head is at the bottom of the Jordan River, and this guy doesn't have any scuba diving equipment. This guy doesn't even have a pair of goggles. He can't dive in and search for it. It's gone, kerplunk, and it belonged to someone else. So what does he do? He cries out to Elisha, the prophet who represented God. You have to understand that when you read the Old Testament, prophets represented God. Prophets brought God's word to God's people. So this guy cries out to Elisha, alas, my master, my ex head went kerplunk in the Jordan. But here's the clicker. It wasn't my axe head. It was borrowed. I borrowed it from that guy named Billy Bob. And it's gone. And now Billy Bob's going to kill me. Help me, Elisha Kenobi. You're my only hope. Now you may be thinking, what's the big deal? It's just an axe head. Just a tool. Well, here's where a little history will help us understand the passage better. And it will help us to see just how big of a deal this really was. Back then... Axe heads were very rare. In the 9th century BC, when this event takes place, axe heads were very, very expensive. There was no Home Depot that you could run out to to get another one. Axe heads cost a lot of money. They were very rare. Not many people had them. So that means this guy is really stressing out. He's freaking out because he lost Billy Bob's axe head. And what does Elisha say to this man? Chill, bro. Quit being so extra. Just tell me where it fell. And chill, bro, I mean it, chill. He said something like that. And so the guy shows Elisha the spot where the axe head fell into the Jordan. And what does Elisha do? Does he use the force like a Jedi knight and make the axe head float up out of the river like Yoda does to Luke Skywalker's X-Wing in The Empire Strikes Back? Remember that? No. There's no Yoda lifting the axe head out of the waters of Dagobah here. Here's what Elisha does. He just throws a stick in the water. Much easier, isn't it? And you know this guy's thinking, what? That's your answer, Elisha? 
Just throw a stick in the water? I could have done that. Do that Star Wars force thing and get Billy Bob's axe head back. But Elisha just cuts off a stick, throws the stick into the river in the exact spot the axe had sunk, and then what happened? Ta-da! The earlier kerplunk gets reversed and the axe head floats to the top of the water, just like Luke Skywalker's X-Wing does in the swamp of Dagobah. And so it's a miracle. The man gets the borrowed axe head back, and now Billy Bob's not going to kill him for losing it. But what does this weird story from the Old Testament tell us about God? What does it tell us about Jesus? That's what we should be asking when we come to God's word. What does this passage teach me about God? Listen, if you find a passage in Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, that makes you scratch your head, you can never go wrong if you ask yourself, what does this passage teach me about God? Now, in 2 Kings 6, you may not catch it on the surface of the passage or on the surface of the water, but this passage is teaching us that Jesus really cares about every little detail of your life. That's what this weird passage is telling us about God. God cares about all the small details of our lives. Every small detail of your life matters to Jesus. Listen, Jesus cares about you and what you are going through right now and what is happening in your life right now. I mean, he really cares. You need to tell your heart that today. You need to tell your heart, hey, listen up, heart. Quit freaking out. Chill. Jesus really cares. He cares about all the details of your life. Everything about you and your life concerns him. It matters to him. So that thing that's stressing you out right now, that's keeping you up at night, that's taking away your appetite, that's making you toss and turn in bed, that's making you nervously bite your fingernails, that thing that has you scared, that thing matters to Jesus. Let that sink in like an axe head. Whatever is breaking your heart today, Jesus knows and he cares. Listen, there is no care of ours that is too small for the king of the universe. There is no care of ours that is too small, too insignificant for, get this, the king of of the universe. There's nothing in our lives, nothing that is too small or insignificant for Jesus. And this is where we all live, right? We have these small troubles that feel very weighty, and yet Jesus comes to us. He does not stand back. He actually moves out in compassion. He takes the initiative. He really cares about you right now. This weird passage in 2 Kings 6 is supposed to reinforce in your mind the love and care that Jesus has for you. You're supposed to read this passage and think, wow, God really cares about me. This passage is meant to reinforce in your heart that Jesus loves and cares about you and whatever's happening in your life and in your heart right now at this very moment. He sees it. You have his attention. He knows what's going on. He's working behind the scenes. Elisha going there to the river was the providence of God, working behind the scenes 
before they even knew what was happening. And God is working behind the scenes of your life and moving things to answer whatever prayer you have, whatever thing that's weighing on your heart right now, God is working right now. He sees it, and he will answer in his way and in his time. So it seems like, like a kind of very boring and mundane, mundane event here with the axe head. And, and I guess if you're into tools, then you might like this passage. But it's kind of boring and mundane. Boring and mundane situations and moments in our lives are more than just boring, mundane situations and moments. They become moments where the kingdom of God, they become moments where the grace of Jesus graciously intrudes into our lives and helps to reorient our hearts. They become moments where we are reminded that we really are helpless and Jesus really is sufficient. And that's a hard lesson for us to learn. For all of us, what we desperately need is to learn to be desperate. What we desperately need is to learn to be helpless like this guy who lost the borrowed axe head. That's the lesson that this accident-prone man is teaching us. Learn to be helpless. Learn to be desperate. Learn to be dependent. Little children are good at this, aren't they? It's all they know, and they are comfortable with it. Your kids, you are comfortable being dependent on your parents. It doesn't stress you out. You just wake up and say, Mom, Dad, I want this, I need this. You're the answer, help. Children, you are so relaxed with this. And we used to be when we were little kids, by the way, but then we became adults, and things changed. Adults, on the other hand, we, we hate helplessness. We're allergic to helplessness. We're independent, we're strong, we're capable. So whatever is happening in your life right now, I have a hunch that God is trying to get you to see just how helpless you are and just how sufficient he is. In this room right now, there are hundreds of problems that we are all facing, and I have a hunch that one reason of many is that God is allowing these things to happen to teach us just how desperate we are, to teach us just how much we need him. And if we're honest with ourselves, we don't like that. We don't like that Jesus does that, that he allows situations to happen to reorient our hearts so that we see, man, I really need him. If we're honest, we'd rather just read our Bible and pray and change, but that's not how Jesus works. All the paths of Yahweh that he takes us on are designed to reorient our hearts so that we realize, I really do need you, Jesus. We don't want to be helpless, dependent, and desperate because we like to plan and organize, and we think we've got this. So we're allergic to helplessness. But little children, it's all they know, and they're good at it, right? Kids just ask for help because they know their reputation is not riding on it. They need help, so they just ask. They need help, so they just ask. And that's exactly what this man is doing here. He was completely helpless. He needed the prophet Elisha who represented God. And so by crying out to Elisha, this man was crying out to God, crying out to Yahweh for help. And that's all that prayer is, right? He's just crying out to God for help. How many of you struggle to pray? I do. Do you? I think we all do, right? Well, here's the easiest prayer to pray. Let me teach you, okay? How many of you would like to learn how to pray more? Here's the easiest prayer that you could pray. All you can do is say this, help. That's it. That's all that prayer is. Prayer is just asking Jesus for help. One word, one syllable. I think we can all do that, right? 
Sometimes all that I can pray is help, Jesus. Help me. Okay, so here's what we should do after looking at this weird axe head passage in 2 Kings 6. Look at your life and see where you need Jesus to do something miraculous for you. Just like this guy here. If Jesus can make an axe head float, then he can do blank. So fill in the blank from your life today. What do you need Jesus to do for you today, right now? And then put it in this blank and say, Jesus, I need your help. I'm overwhelmed. Will you please blank? What is it? What's weighing down your heart today? What's stressing you out? What's breaking your heart? Whatever it is, you have a shepherd, you have a savior, you have a redeemer who can do anything. What do you need to fill inside the blank? Jesus, I need your help. I'm overwhelmed. Will you please blank? Second Kings 6 is telling us that Jesus is looking for scared people, stressed out people, people who've reached the end of their rope and they just say, I need you and if you don't help me, it's over. It's game over. Jesus is looking for scared people. He's looking for confused people. He's looking for overwhelmed people. He welcomes the sick and the hurting. He wants all of your sin to meet all of his forgiveness. That's weighing your heart down. It's why he came. It's why he lived and died and rose again and ascended to his father's right hand. So that all of your sin could meet all of his forgiveness, all of his grace. He wants you to come to the end of yourself so that you'll discover that his grace is sufficient. That's where you discover his grace is sufficient. When you reach the end of yourself and you're like, okay, I can't do it. Here he is. He can. So take heart today. If you're a Christian trusting in Christ alone, you're not an orphan. No matter what's happening in your life right now, you have not been abandoned You are not alone. You are not facing anything in your life alone because Jesus is with you. And it may seem like you have been abandoned, but you haven't. And you may not understand why what is happening is happening in your life, but you can trust him. You may not be getting your prayers answered the way you want, but you can trust your heavenly father that he's doing what's best in his time, in his way. If you're here today and you feel like there's no hope, and you're so desperate that you're about to lose your mind, lose your marbles, maybe you've lost your appetite because of all the stress you're under, Jesus says to you today, hey, come here. Let's talk. Tell me what's on your mind. What's going on in that little heart of yours? The late Baptist preacher Charles Spurgeon said, the tender heart of Jesus waits to hear our griefs. Let us pour them into his patient ear. He's waiting patiently to listen to you. What griefs do you need to pour into Jesus' ear this morning? What's weighing down on your heart right now? The tender heart of Jesus is waiting. So you just go and you pour all your troubles, no matter how big or small they are, could it be like, hey, I borrowed a tool, sunk to the bottom of the river, I need you. Whatever it is, and you just pour it into the patient ear of Jesus. I read this a few weeks ago in a sermon, but I want to repeat it because all the kids are in here today. So kids, pay attention. 
Alec Motier was a pastor, scholar. He said this. He, Jesus, loves us to talk to him. He says, I want you to tell me. Please open your heart to me. Let me know how you feel. Let me know where you hurt. Let me know what you want. What do you want me to do for you? An essential part of prayer is putting uh, our prayer into words, telling him all about it. Jesus said in one place, your father knows what you have need of before you ask. Well, of course he does. He's God. But he still wants us to ask. Alec Motier gave us a lesson in how prayer works. Kids, I want you to write this down. Grab the worship bulletin. There are some lines on the front of the worship bulletin. You can write these three things down. If you need help, just look at your mom and dad and say, help. Because you're good at that. Okay? Parents, you may need to write these things down for your kids. But write these things down. When it comes to prayer, tell God how you feel. Tell God where you hurt. Tell God what you want. Okay? Kids, you don't know what to pray about. Parents, you don't know what to pray about. Tell God how you feel. Tell God where you hurt. Tell God what you want. So kids, when you pray to Jesus, when you're laying in bed at night and you're just laying there, you just tell him these three things. Take this little thing home that you've written on or your parents have written on, put it on your refrigerator, put it in your Bible, put it in your nightstand, tape it to your wall next to your bed. Kids, when you pray to Jesus, just tell him these three things. Tell Jesus how you feel. Jesus, this is how I feel about this situation. This is how I feel about my brother, my sister. This is how I feel about school. This is how I'm feeling right now, Jesus. And just tell him how you feel. And then tell God where you hurt. Say, this hurts, Jesus. This is happening in my life and it hurts my heart. I'm sad. Would you please help? And then third, tell God what you want. Just tell Jesus, this is what I want you to do for me. He may do it. He will answer your prayer in his time, in his way. But you tell him, as you say, Jesus, this is what I would like you to do for me. How are you feeling today? Where does it hurt? How is your heart breaking this morning? That's exactly where Jesus wants to meet you. Tell Jesus what you want him to do for you. And remember, Jesus really cares about every little detail of your life. And he proved that by dying in your place for your sins on the cross. And if he did that, you know he cares for you, don't you? Trust him today. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you really do care. It is mind-blowing to think that the king of the universe actually cares about what's happening in my life, in my heart, It's mind-blowing to think that you're working behind the scenes in ways I can't even understand. Help us today to trust you, Jesus. Help us to trust that you are doing what you know is best and you're answering in ways that you know is best, Lord. Thank you that you listen. Thank you that you care. May you be honored in our life as we embrace our helplessness and turn to you. May you get great glory as our sufficient Savior as we just look to you and say, help, help, help. In your name we pray, amen.